Yes, that is right. Welcome, everybody, on in to the Saturday Night Network for the beginning to our celebration of the greatest SNL cast members of all time. My name is John Schneider from the SNN. So excited to be with you to kick off this journey as every Monday night this fall, we will reveal the results of the top 50 cast members of all time as voted by you, the fans. And yes, we had so many votes come in from all over social media. Some of our podcasters contributed, some of our patrons, and we have put together, in my opinion, an amazing list maybe the definitive list of the greatest cast members of all time. And you'll be the judge of that as we go through everything week by week. So I'd like to bring in my guest for the first show. We're going to have so many guests throughout the fall, so many fun, different guests. But first up, I had to start this off with my man, Bill Kenny, who has seen the entirety of the show and is ready to dive in with me. So Bill, how are you? I'm doing great, John. That theme song, like I'm ready to run out of a tunnel and come out into the field like that. That was exciting. Yeah, that was a surprise. Uh, I know. I switched it up. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So happy to be here. Uh, this is going to be a lot of fun. Uh, there's so much subjectivity about, you know, SNL fandom. I don't think there's anything more subjective than your favorite cast members, your best cast members. So this is going to be interesting to see where these people land. Absolutely. And look, I mean, let's talk about where we're at. We're, uh, you know, beginning of September. Usually this time we would be looking forward to a new season of SNL. And my hope is that we will get back to a season of SNL after the writers and the actors get what they deserve. Uh, But for now, there are no plans for the start of the season. So this is a concept that I have thought about doing for a long time. Uh, We're almost at the three-year mark, Bill, believe it or not, since we started podcasting on the network. Isn't that crazy? That is crazy. Wow. Time flies when you're having fun. Right. Yeah, it's been so great and um, and loving the community that we built here. And uh, for me, this is something that I really wanted to do as we headed towards the 50th. But, you know, um, why, why not now? You know, now is the perfect time for me. I think we're going to spend the fall going through these cast members. And then if SNL decides to come back, uh, you know, after everything gets taken care of, then we'll speed up the power rankings and we'll dive back into season 49 coverage. So I think that sounds like a good plan, right, Bill? I like it. I like it. Okay, cool. So uh, very excited. Like I said, every single Monday night, we're going to be here. And I'm also very excited because for the first time, we're really crossing streams as far as the people who will be hosting these shows, where we're going to have a ton of our patrons, which, you know, if you're a regular listener, and you may have skipped out on some of the patron stuff, you get to hear some new voices coming in and, uh, you know, talking about their cast members that are chosen throughout the series. And we'll also have a lot of our regular contributors. So everybody who you've seen on hot take shows on roundtables by the number shows we will have everybody coming in even outsiders to the podcast to talk through this because as far as i'm concerned there is no definitive cast member rankings because the only comparison or the only thing that i ever hear get brought up bill is this cockamamie list that the rolling stone came up with no offense to our friends of the rolling stone but this list that came out right before the 40th anniversary and it was a mess and as somebody who was watch the entirety of the show. Uh, I, they, they got a lot wrong here. And I, what I'm hoping to do is, I know everybody's going to have their own personal rankings, but I'm hoping to at least have a ranking that people feel is legitimate. So what do you think? Yeah, I, completely, 100%. That list was garbage. Uh, there was no way around it. I don't know if it was for, you know, to, to inspire controversy, to inspire clicks. 
but uh, there was a lot wrong with that list. Uh, it wasn't done in the proper way. And I think you have the way, the resources and the way to do that here with as many uh, bright minds as we have about SNL. So uh, I, I actually made my entire list. I've never done that. And in, in all the years I've watched it, you inspired me to make my definitive list uh, of the one to 163. So uh, wow. we'll see how they match up as we go. <laughs> that's exciting so i definitely want to hear where the four that we revealed tonight landed on your list that'd be something really interesting to talk about and you know you mentioned 163 so in theory we could have done the top cast members of all time and gone through all of them i felt and i hope our listeners understand this that we have a lot of friends who we've made in the snl community over the last few years some of them former cast members and i sort of felt that like this list should be more of a celebration than a, uh, you know, that, that anyone should really feel like they are not deserving of having a high spot on the list. And I think that a lot of the discourse around that Rolling Stone list landed on who fell near the bottom of the list. I, you know what? Everybody knows who's near the bottom of the list. You, you, you name 10 people, they're around there. You know, we know who they are. We don't need to mention them here. So for me, like, that's, that's not important. But I think if we're talking about the top of the list, I think that's when we get into the really exciting nitty-gritty discourse. So that made more sense to me. What do you think, Bill? Yeah, I, I mean, that's that's a big part of it. And also the fact that it's hard when the show is still an ongoing, you know, living, breathing entity. People who have only been on the show for a year or two, you can't really, they're going to end up at a bottom of a list or towards the bottom of a list. And it's not really going to be fair because they haven't had their chance to, you know, shine, get there for three or four or five years, see what they're able to do. Uh, you wouldn't want to be judged on your first year on the show. So um, that's the other aspect of that, that you don't want to go too deep into the list because uh, there'll be hurt feelings and there'll be some stuff that doesn't make a lot of sense a year or two down the road. Yeah, for sure. And look, this was a community-based list. I want the community's involvement throughout this. So if you're in the live chat, I want to know every opinion you got about each of these cast members and if they deserve to be on the list in the spots that they were. That is so interesting to me. If you're watching this after the fact, comment on the YouTube video. I read all of the comments. I really want to see your thoughts on this and reach out to us on social media. It's always really exciting to get to interact with all of our listeners. So please let us know what you think as we go through this. I want to talk about the criteria for the list and we will get into the four that we will reveal tonight. But I would be remiss not to mention that today is September 11th and uh, 22 years since uh, 9-11 in New York. And I you know that's, you know, as much as connections are in a million ways to so many people out there, uh, a lot of SNL fans, you know, have a connection as well to thinking about how SNL came back after 9-11 and the importance about, you know, comedy and really hard times. I uh, just want to say that I know this is a hard day for a lot of people out there. So my thoughts are with everybody, uh, whether you were around to experience it or not, um, thinking about New York and all of our friends all around uh, the United States who and, and Canada who experienced a really uh, big tragedy that day. So thoughts are with you. Okay, let's get into the discussing the list now, Bill. And before we do, I love to talk criteria. So what makes a great SNL cast member? We're going to be talking about this with everybody who's going to be on the show is coming up. And uh, I'm excited to tell you mine. But as our first guest, Bill, let's talk about what to you are the definitive criteria for a great SNL cast member. Well, you've got a few things here, and, and it, it always comes back to sports, right? So it's not just uh, longevity, which is a part of it for sure. But if you're just going to do it that way, uh, 
it would be Keenan Daryl and let's call it a night. So that's not a fair way to just look at it. You have to have either characters that are memorable that hold up through the test of time, um, impressions, if that's your forte, well, not Will Forte, but your forte. We'll see if and, he's on the list. And where do you fit in the cast that you were in? Uh, is, you know, if you were in a terrible cast in a terrible year, were you still able to pull yourself up by your bootstraps, get some good stuff on the air, you know, thinking about season six, season 20, stuff like that. Um, so that, that to me are, are the big things to look for uh, in a cast, in a cast member. Yeah, absolutely. I think when, you know, I'll make the sports comparison as well, because, you know, that's, you know, it's mostly in basketball. I think that the greatest of all time comes up a lot. Um, you know, a hockey, I think like across the board, most people feel like it's Wayne Gretzky. I think there was like the Brady Montana debate for a while, but I think Brady probably closed the door on that. Uh, baseball became a little bit tough because of steroids, but basketball between the Michael Jordan, and LeBron James, that was like the barbershop debate that I think people all across the world talk about all the time. And I think that when it comes to SNL, there's probably like three or four cast members that go into that, you know, goat conversation. And we will get to have that a few months down the road once we get to the final, uh, the top people on the list. But um, for me, I, I always define them as, you know, what adjective are we using to describe the list? So when it comes to greatest, and the reason we ended up choosing greatest is because greatest has a lot to do with analytics. Um, it's how well you, you literally did in terms of stats on the show. And that was our core here. We built our podcast network on analytics. So we were SNL stats and it felt, you know, fair to go back to that. But for me, I think when I am going to be describing this list and the people on them over the next few weeks, I'm going to combine greatest, which is analytics best, which is if you were a scientist in a lab and you were creating a perfect SNL cast member. Who would you build to be on SNL? That to me is the best. And then most important or legacy. And I think legacy has a lot to do with this as well. So when you combine those three things, those are the three criteria I really look at. Do you have a lasting legacy as a cast member on the show? Analytically, did you dominate screen time, appearances? Do you in a lot of sketches, had a lot of characters, all that stuff. And then naturally, are you were you born to be on SNL? And if you match all three, I think you're going to be very high up on my personal list. So the way we're going to do this is we're going to go through them one by, one by one. We're going to talk through all the cast members. And throughout this entire series, I'm going to give you my rankings as we go through the series. So we'll, we'll reveal the four tonight. I'll rank the four. You can follow along if you want to know my list as we go through. And then next week when we reveal four more, I'll slot them in. So you'll have John's 50 at the end of the series as well. How does that sound, Bill? Yeah, I, I love that. And I, I think we should inspire uh, anyone who wants to do their own list uh, to do, do that as well. Um, more than welcome to share my list if you like as well. Yeah, and I'd be curious. I mean, maybe we'll convince you to put somebody else high up the list. All right. I think we've done enough introduction, Bill. Should we kick this off? Let's do the thing. Okay. I am very excited to kick things off. Number 50 on the list as we head towards the greatest cast member of all time. And that is number 50, Kevin Nealon on the list. Kevin Nealon was a cast member beginning in season 12, 1986, and was on the cast for nine seasons total. Started as a feature player, 
one year, became a repertory player. I believe he was recommended by Dana Carvey to join the cast after Dana was hired. I think he was also in a relationship with Jan Hooks, who also started at the same time. And he had a very long career, especially at the time. Nine years is a long time on the show. Lots of characters, hosted weekend updates. We'll get into the analytics in a second. But this is a really, really interesting pick here to kick off the list at number 50. So, Bill, he's one of your guys. So I got to hear what you think about the great Kevin Nealon. Oh, this is this is great. I actually would have him a little bit higher than this. Uh, I think the fact that uh, nine seasons, he was the record holder for the first quarter century of SNL. I mean, he he was on the show the longest at a time when most people were only on the show for five years if they had a great career. Um, and uh, he he came into the show as a featured player in 1986. And uh, it was already a, a brand new cast other than uh, a few people. And so the fact that he came in with Phil Hartman, Dana Carvey, Jan Hooks, already established John Lovitz, Dennis Miller behind Weekend Update, and he still found a way to shine. He had Mr. Subliminal in the very first episode he was in, which went on to be one of his featured uh, moments on the show. Uh, He was such a quirky guy. Uh, I always think like Kevin Nealon walked so Will Forte could run. Like he, he really was the first of those really kooky guys that didn't really fit into the box that you would think. So I I think this is a good spot for him. Again, I have him a little bit higher, but uh, not bad. Yeah. I mean, for me, I always felt like uh, Kevin Nealon just appeared, appealed to me in so many different ways. He was everything I really wanted in an SNL cast member, which is like, when you, like I said, when you, when you're going to build somebody in a lab to be on SNL, you want them to be able to be, like just a great accessory to other people in sketches, but then can like turn it on when you really need him to. And I felt like Neilan was so good at that. And it, it just just talking about in sketches, like not not on Weekend Update yet, but just really the back the fact that he could like uh, play a dad really well or like a, a friend in a sketch, and he always just like was there to like ground it. I felt was so good. You know, I, I wonder if he was penalized on the list or lower down list because he's with so many greats around him that he's often like forgettable compared to them. But that's so not fair to Kevin Ealing because I think if you watch his sketches, the man, he was in uh, 709 sketches in his SNL career. That's a lot of sketches. That's 15th all time, 13th among cast members. I mean, the guy did so much on the show. To me, he is criminally underrated. Yeah. And, you know, he wasn't a great impressionist per se. Uh, he was kind of the Mikey Day of his time where if they needed a white guy and Phil and Dana were busy, he was he was the guy they went to. And I mean, to think of the fact that he was the first Al Gore on the show, not really a good take on it, but that was his. He, he was the first Joe Biden on the show when they right, needed wow. somebody for yeah. Senate Senate hearings. Uh, he was the first Larry King on the show and how many people went on to play that. So he kind of set the tone for a lot of different things. Uh, even when he didn't have a great take impression wise, uh, he was a good go-to to get the laughs and to be able to go on. 
Yeah, let's talk about some of his characters that you know really appealed to people. So you mentioned Mr. Subliminal. For those who may have not seen it, uh, that was his first real thing that he got on the show when he was a featured player in his first year, which, by the way, is like one of the weirdest asterisks, I think, on anyone's career is to think that you brought in all these new cast members and Kevin Nealon was a featured player. Like, it's very weird. Uh, but, Bill, what, what did you think about Mr. Subliminal when that came out? Oh, that was so great. And I think that's one of those sketches that you can still, you know, we always talk about it. What can you show somebody today who's never seen SNL? I think this would hold up. They wouldn't know it was from 1986 other than maybe the clothing and things like that. It's still funny. It still holds up. Uh, the fact that he would just, you know, the Victoria Jackson one was was the funniest, I think, his first one, where he's, you know, hitting on her and trying to get a job. And, you know, he's like, oh, we don't have to we don't have to go out for dinner. Your treat, uh, you know, <laughs> hot sex. <laughs> and then to go into the job interview and he's got no skills for the job other than subliminally talking this guy into giving him a job. I, I think it's just a tour de force of comedy. Uh, I'm sure he brought that in with him uh, to have something that well-formed in his first show. Uh, it was brilliant. And uh, I, I don't remember how many times he went on to do it, but it always was very funny. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, the thing that he did as Mr. Subliminal is like the closest you get to like athletic ability on SNL, in my opinion. It's the ability to think so quickly and not mess it up to be able like I know he's reading cue cards, but like, at the same time, he's just speaking so quickly and inserting these like non sequiturs in there to be able to make his point to Mr. Subliminal that it is really like to me an athletic feat and shows you how quick his mind works like he is just a really smart guy probably one of the smartest people that would be on the show and I, that's why i found that so interesting and i find it so much like it's so fun that he seems like such a smart guy that his probably his most famous character on the show was franz from hans and franz who like are these like jockey you know <laughs> bro guys who are always at the gym and it's so different from the kevin Nealon we came to know and love and i think that's why it really works for him absolutely yeah yeah what do you think of hans and franz hans and franz i don't know that that ages quite as well uh i i feel like there's because of the accents you think I mean, Arnold Schwarzenegger was the biggest star in the world at that point in 1987. And so obviously people still know who he is, but um, there was something I think at that time that made it a lot funnier. I think they ran it out a few times too many. Um, it kind of uh, kind of didn't find any new lanes every time it came out. So I, I don't really think, that, even though that's his most famous character, I don't know that that's his best character. So, what is his best character? Oh, I mean, do, do you have one? I think this this is kind of a deep cut. The Bob Waltman character was always one of my favorites. I, I don't know if you remember that, but this was kind of a, a take on Barbara Walters uh, doing. Yeah, her it was interviews. a male Barbara Walters, right? That's what right, it was. right, and. You know, Barbara Walters at the time was doing these interviews with people and was, you know, it was well known that she was trying to make her interviewees cry. Um, so Bob Waltman was the male, you know, equivalent of that. And he was just saying these things that were outrageous to the people that he was interviewing, trying to make them cry, handing them tissues. And then he'd look to the camera after he made them cry and just give this smirk that only Kevin Nealon could give. I, I always thought that was probably his his best character. 
Yeah, I really like that one. That was great. Um, I think another one a lot of people will remember is Frank Gannon, P-I-P-I. <laughs> that, that to me was always, uh, was always an interesting one there. Do you remember that? I do. I do. Yeah, that was a great one as well. Uh, another one that I, you know, this came up a little bit last year with Sarah Sherman, uh, his news from 10 feet away uh, when right. he was doing that on Weekend Update. And, you know, at that time, that was very, even today, they don't do it that often. You know, they'll they'll occasionally do the green screen on a different stage and, you know, they're they're in Afghanistan or there's, but to have the Weekend Update set showing behind him and he's, giving the news about how nobody's finding this very funny and uh, this has gone on way too long. And uh, back to you, Dennis, that, that, that always uh, rung very funny for me as well. I want to talk about his time on a weekend update as an anchor. I think he's really unfairly maligned as a weekend update anchor because he comes between Dennis Miller and Norm Macdonald, who are two polarizing weekend update anchors and yeah like some people who just actively dislike them and some people who absolutely love them and i think that you know kevin probably got the like you know just the fact that nobody has a strong opinion on him problem but i don't think he was a bad weekend update anchor was he maybe meant for the role not sure i'm curious what you think well you you made a great point there and that that's kind of the key to it the fact that he came between two very noticeable personalities in Dennis and Norm. Um, and I don't think that his kind of under, undercutting jokes really worked a lot of the time. Now, I don't think he's as bad as most people think he is. He's certainly not in the level of the early 80s weekend update anchors, Saturday night news anchors. Um, he's certainly better than some of the anchors we've had in the 2000s. But, um, yeah, I, I think that was just unfortunate timing. If he had gone on Weekend Update in 1986, I think we'd still be talking about how great he was. Following somebody like Brad Hall or, or things like that, where there was Mr. no Nasty. really good take on Weekend Update at that point. And, but the fact that he followed what many at the time considered to be the best Weekend Update anchor of all time and Dennis Miller. And I mean, Dennis Miller was still a huge star, had his own talk show, was hosting things like the VMAs and, you know, and the ESPYs. So for him to come in and try to fill that role was was very, very difficult. It's never easy to follow legends. So um, in hindsight, I think his weekend update was better than most remember. Yeah, I think so, too. I think I think he just he was in like a little bit of a tough spot. And, um, you know, he's not going to be in the, the spot that like, you know, Colin Quinn is in coming in after Norm, but but it's still like a little bit of a tough spot update. There's just such a spotlight on you. And it's interesting, right? Because like, you know, people just absolutely love, you know, Phil and Dana and, you know, Mike Myers when he comes on and there's just like so much love spread around. And I do feel like uh, it's interesting that he was the one that was given the anchor role, who's, you know, this guy who, um, I guess at the time, it wasn't like, oh, the head writer is also the weekend update person and sort of the quarterback of the ship. But it is somebody who gets a lot of attention here. And I just think it's interesting in hindsight to think about his role on that cast and how involved he ended up being, yet he doesn't get the praise that some of the other cast members get from that cast. Yeah, he's the definition of a super utility player. Uh, he's he's the guy who's able to do anything. He he was one of those people. I, I think part of the problem with his legacy on Weekend Update, in particular, was 
that uh, Al Franken wanted it, right? I mean, was right. that? Yeah. So, I mean, that that would have changed the trajectory of the show as well. Um, so, and, and people would, would think about what Al Franken would have been able to do. It would have been a very, very different show. Um, and that's not fair either. You know, you can't sit here and do, well, he wasn't as good as Al Franken might've been in my mind. That's ridiculous. So yeah, I, I think, um, the fact that he was on such a deep cast, uh, he does get forgotten quite a bit and, uh, unfairly, but I'm glad to see that he found his way into the list. So. Yeah, I also find it interesting that he stayed on for a season after being a weekend update anchor. Like that, he just like went back to the regular cast, which is so unusual uh, for people. So um, yeah, yeah. Just has, other than Cecily, I, I don't know that right. there's any other. It's a, it's fascinating, fascinating. It really is. So yeah, um, yeah so uh, look, he checks a lot of boxes for me as far as I'm concerned. Uh, he really does feel like somebody who you know, like couldn't have had another job. Like he was supposed to be on SNL, uh, was in 709 sketches. Like I said, 15th all time, 13th among cast. You'll hear that I say that a lot when it comes to some of the cast members we're going to go through because uh, you know when you're talking about all time sketch appearances, there is Steve Higgins and Don Pardo who have a lot of roles in sketches, and they are pretty high up the list. So unless you're talking about some of the people at the top, top, uh, you, they, there's about two difference between all-time and among cast members uh his sketch per episode ratio so these are like deep analytics bill but the sketch per episode ratio is 4.11 which basically means every episode you would expect on average to see him in about 4.11 sketches so most episodes would be four some would be five but uh that's a that's a good amount 34th all-time among cast members ever uh with people who have been in more than 100 episodes he's 15th all-time so it's pretty high up considering the cast members who've done more than 100 episodes. He did 172. So he has some pretty good numbers. He The most interesting number, which I think is representative of him as a cast member, is if you go through any of the seasons that he was a cast member, his analytics show that he was either in the second third or fourth amount of sketches in a season so he never led a season in sketch appearances but he was always right near the top and i think that's what it is about kevin nealon and why he comes in as the 50th greatest cast member in the history of the show is that he was so good in so many aspects of saturday night live but he was just on a stacked team with him and that's what you know knocked him down a peg on the list so for me I think 50 is a really interesting spot for him. I will say Rolling Stone had him at 59 back in the day. So it's not that different. Uh, but So we'll, we'll credit them when they get something, right? Bill, where do you have him on your list? I have him at 33. Uh, I wow. think, yeah, looking at all of the things that you just mentioned, uh, trying not to be biased by the fact that, as you said, there are so many people who are goats in his cast. Um, that were, and, but that, that's a stunning number to think that he was an average four sketches when he was on a cast with this people. Now you're, you're talking about a, a very, very different time when there's eight cast members, nine when Mike comes in, but, uh, yeah, it's, it's still a testament to, he was getting the work in, even though he wasn't always going to be the star of that sketch, even though he wasn't always getting characters, um, this this was a testament to how great he was and the fact that he was on there for nine years. It's unthinkable at the time. Absolutely. Well, all props to Kevin Nealon, who uh, is just seems like an absolute awesome guy. I'm hoping we can get him on the podcast one day. That would be uh, really, really cool to do. Bill, you have anything else you want to say about the great Kevin Nealon? Uh, 
think the only other thing we didn't really mention uh, was his Tarzan. I mean, that was, oh, of course, yeah, that was great with uh, Frankenstein and Tonto, Phil Hartman and John Lovett. So, R.I.P. to both of those guys. So. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, that is fifty on the list. I want to make note before we move on that there was somebody who was, and I, I'm going to reveal, like uh, you know, as we get to the end of the whole series, some of the honorable mentions from sixty to fifty. But there was somebody who came in at fifty-one who was so close to making the list, like the votes were very close. So right behind Kevin Nealon was Leslie Jones, who was a very interesting cast member, had a really fun time on the show. She did not crack the top 50, but she came in at 51. So I just, I figured I would give her some credit, some due there. I think um, really interesting person that I was really looking forward to talking about and talking about her career, but just missed the list. So um, Bill, you want to give a word about Leslie before we get to 49? Another interesting trajectory, uh, you know, uh, very well known that uh, Keenan had gone to Lauren and said, uh, we got to hire some diversity on this show. We need a, a female African-American on this show. It's ridiculous that we don't in the 2010s. And they hired Sashir, and, uh, who was great in her own right. But right after that, we start getting Leslie on update. And her update pieces were amazing. Her cast, her, her, her sketch work, I don't know. I don't know that I would have her quite that high. But uh, when she was behind the desk or when she was in a, a, a digital short with uh, Kyle, uh, that whole that whole runner, I mean, she, she is a very, very funny person and uh, have loved everything else that she's been in as well. So, Yeah, and she, got, she has a new book coming out, I think, next week. So um, if you want to, I want to just plug that. If you want to get it, I'm going to definitely get it and read it. Yeah, okay. Definitely. All right, ready for number 49, Bill? Yes, sir. All right, let's do it. Let's go a little bit further back in time to talk about our friend here at number 49, and that would be Mr. Joe Piscopo coming in at 49. I feel like I just talked about Joe a little bit because he had an impression that made our top impression countdown that we did over the summer where uh, he talked about his Frank Sinatra impression, came in 19th all-time there. But he came in as part of the new season six cast and was a cast member from 1980 to 1984, kept on with Eddie Murphy by Dick Ebersol when he took over, and he really you know, took over over the show a lot of you know underrated i mean everybody's gonna talk about eddie murphy but joe's contribution to the show was huge at the time had some really fun characters uh we'll talk about Polly herman a little bit maybe some pudge and solomon uh andy rooney and david letterman impressions jimmy carter ted koppel there's a lot of stuff that he did on the show uh so it is to me a very interesting experience to get to talk about joe here because we're so used to talking about eddie but let's give some love to Joe who comes at 49 here on the list. So Bill, what are your thoughts? Got to give a shout out to our SNL community for somebody who hasn't been on the show for 40 years, who hasn't really been relevant in, in all that time. Um, being able to get him to crack the top 50. I think that's really, really great to see, uh, especially with a lot of younger viewers and things like that. So um, yeah, I have him a little bit higher on my list than this, but um, this is a fair spot for him. I think he is undervalued for what, uh, you know, Eddie saved the show. Joe saved the show too. Um, you know, him doing Saturday night sports, uh, him, the amount of impressions that he was able to do. You just mentioned a few of them. Uh, he also did Dan rather. He did Jerry Lewis, um, Jimmy Carter, Reagan, Ted Koppel. Like the, he was a master impressionist. Um, and his, his sketch work with Eddie 
was phenomenal. Uh, he was so valued at the time of, of the first 15 years of the show. People might not remember this. I, I know you will. Um, that on the 15th anniversary, he was in the cold open. He right. was in the cold open. An Ebersol era, other than Martin Short, was in the cold open of a Lorne 15th anniversary special. So uh, I, that speaks volumes to how important he was to the show. Um, I think that he does lose a few points because he hasn't been around. Uh, he, he went on to do, uh, you know, he was just became kind of a bodybuilder. He didn't really do a lot of movies. Um, so he kind of faded from pop culture. Um, but, uh, you cannot forget the four years that he put into the show. Yeah. He does have a talk show that he does now, uh, regularly Monday to Friday, I think, uh, in New Jersey. Um, I believe it's politics related and I, I think it's, it's a little right wing, but he is, uh, yeah, I mean, he, he's a really interesting cast member to talk about because, uh, you see him pop immediately at the start of season six. Like there's a lot of cast members. We talk about their, their, you know, faults and their successes throughout that season uh, and they're really interesting ones to talk about including i think charlie rocket is a really interesting cast member to talk about at the time who just absolutely dominated season six and then faded um and then gail matthias a lot of people talk about as being pretty underrated but i think joe piscopo is the most consistent cast member throughout season six for sure so it is a no-brainer to bring him back in addition to eddie and i, I just like I, I do feel like if eddie was on the show without joe I don't know that the show is considered saved the way that it was because I think that Joe's ability to, you know, do the sports segment and and uh, you know a lot of other really cool things on the show, I think really helped you know people come back to terms with that SNL will be okay without the original cast, and I think he was relatable for a lot of people on the show. So I I find him a really good cast member during his time there. Do you have a favorite thing that he did, Bill? You know, it's a guilty pleasure, but I really do like Polly Herman. Uh, okay. You know, it, it's kind of a one note character, uh, but uh, he, he did it so well. And being from the East Coast, the tri-state area, I, I, I know guys like that. So uh, well, going back and watching those seasons when I got older, uh, I was like, yeah, that, that, that's spot on. There there are guys who talk like that on a regular basis. And uh yeah, I, that that's one of the funniest things to me that still holds up. For sure. By the way, you mentioned like he hasn't been around too much. Uh, you know, he was at the 40th anniversary, right? He was there during the, uh, I think he did Sinatra, if I remember. Yes, he during, did. Like, yeah, they, in yeah. the music. Yeah, in the music part, they did. Yeah, that's like a like a really deep cut for them to, <laughs> to get his Sinatra impression. Absolutely. In there, but but Absolutely. yeah, um, yeah, that to me is is really interesting. Uh, I, you know what I've talked about this a little bit with Andrew Dick on that week in SNL. Got to watch like a Weiner sketch that he did. Um, those like really annoy people, and I think that's the point of them. It's like sort of anti comedy, but there's some of them work, and I think that that's interesting. His relationship with Robin Duke and how he ends up working with her. I think he's they make like a pretty good team on the show. Can I tell you, Bill, where I think that Joe Piscopo went wrong? I don't know if you ever heard me with this take before, but I think that Joe Piscopo so. had one crucial mistake on the show that I think would have made him potentially an all-time great, which is Joe Piscopo throughout the Ebersol era should have been our weekend update anchor or SNL newsbreak or whatever it was then, you know, because oh. he was made for that job. And you yeah. saw it with the sports report that he did out there. And whenever he did a commentary on Weekend Update or, I guess, Newsbreak, whatever, um, you know, that was, 
like his thing. Like he was at a desk and he could do it. And I think he would have been one of the greatest update anchors ever if he had done it. What do you think about that? That is a very interesting take. And that makes my mind spin. Now, would do you think it was a matter of them never asking or him seeing what a dumpster fire it had become and decided, I don't want any part of that? I don't know, but I'm dying to ask him. Like, I, I just want to know. Like, I want to get him on the show, and I need to know because I have to think this has been brought to his attention over the years, or he had a thought about it because you know now he obviously hosts his own radio show, and like he just seems like the type of guy that so would have done it. And I just don't know why. I, I like, I just I don't know if it was like a producer's decision. Um, like, no offense, to Brian Doyle Murray. I mean, I guess he had the Murray name, and then he was also a writer from the original cast. So, like, they they gave it to him to sort of run that with Christina Ebersol and Mary Gross for a season, and then they bring in uh, Brad and Gary and Julia, and then uh, you know eventually it goes to Brad Hall. And like, I just I sort of feel that they they just they had the right answer, and they never went in that direction. That is fascinating. I, that's something I've never really thought of before. I, I like that idea. Yeah. I mean, I wonder what their thinking was. Uh, maybe they were afraid that, I mean, weekend update at that time, you know, now we know it as they don't perform in a lot of sketches, but I think at the time that was still, you know, I mean, Brian Doyle Murray wasn't in a lot of sketches either, but at the time, like Brad Hall was. Uh, so I wonder if he was afraid that he would be taken away from the work he wanted to do with Eddie and things like that. But that is a fascinating take. Well, I mean, I have to tell you, I mean, he was in a ton of sketches. So uh, Joe Biscopo appeared in 72 episodes of Saturday Night Live. His sketch per episode ratio was 5.4. So he was in about five and a half sketches in any given episode. That is the third highest SPE of all time, right? In the that's crazy. And uh, one of the guys that he is behind is Charlie Rocket. So you know, Charlie Rocket only appears in twelve episodes. It's an anomaly. That guy has the highest SPE of all time. I don't really like to count it because anyone who hasn't done at least like thirty episodes, you know, to me that's that's not really there. But to me, he's actually really only behind Phil Hartman, who comes in at exactly six point four, one sketch higher than him. Phil like has those goat analytics, and we'll talk about him down the road eventually. But uh, Joe Piscopo to me has the analytics to show that this guy was dominating week after week on SNL. Yeah, I mean that's that's fascinating. Yeah, you you need the plate appearances. Sorry, Charlie. Like you you need to have to qualify for the batting title. You need to have the plate appearances. So, um, yeah, I would I would definitely agree with you that he's he's got to be number two behind Phil as far as that goes. Yeah, I mean it was it was the Eddie and Joe show. I mean there's there's no two ways around it. I mean it, it, despite the fact that they had six seven other cast members, you know Tim Kazarinski, fantastic player on the show um gary a friend of our show um but yeah i he he was dominating he was the go-to guy he was the guy that was going to do any and every impression that you need it and it shows so yeah to, to be in that many sketches per episode for five years four years uh very very interesting yeah and i mean like look eddie murphy did amazing work 
in less stuff. So it really depends on what you value. Like when we eventually get to talk about Eddie Murphy, people rank him high up on the list because, you know, he just has hit after hit. But what do you, you know, as as a pure SNL fan who's watching every single episode and going through and, and you know, what matters to you? Is it watching a season of SNL and seeing somebody consistently produce episode after episode? Or is it somebody who goes out and does one or two amazing things in a given episode? And I think that is completely subjective but it's interesting nonetheless to parse through yeah and i mean the show had such a hard time we, we've talked about this at length but the show had such a hard time with politics at the time too and couldn't really find its lane after danny left and you know and for him to come in and do um reagan i i know charlie did it the first year but he took it over after that um he did his jimmy carter and he did some really good takes with uh, the politics of the time. Ebersol was not interested in doing a lot of politics, and it shows. I mean, that's, you know, there's not a lot of stuff from the Reagan years, the early Reagan years. But when they did go to it, Piscopo was the guy, and uh, he did it really well. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, I think some of his the season six politics stuff was rough. <laughs> but But the, you know, as we got into the Ebersol era... I think there's some more redeemable things there. I don't think it really politics on SNL truly comes back until Lorne um, and the second golden era. But I, I do think that he did, you know, he, he stepped up to the plate and he did a lot of stuff there and they really relied on Joe. Uh, Joe was in 389 sketches throughout his time on the show. That is good for 44th all time or 42nd among cast members. He did lead the cast in sketch appearances in seasons seven, eight and nine. So he, uh, he, yeah, like I said, absolutely dominant for those three years. Uh, if you're wondering, Charlie Rocket's the one who led the cast and sketch appearances in season six. Rolling Stone had Joe Piscopo as 66th all time. We have him at 49, so we have him higher on there. In their little write-up they wrote about him, they said that they felt that the reason he's at 66 is because he was a good cast member, but second banana to Eddie. I don't see it that way. Uh, sorry. Yeah. But again, I don't see that he was ever second banana to Eddie. I think that uh, SNL is not about one cast member, um, you know, being out front and then everybody else being second or third or fourth banana. I think Eddie did what he needed to do on the show and the show needed Joe as well. So for me, he definitely has a place in SNL history and a well-deserved spot on the list. Yeah. I mean, the Eddie stuff is interesting. There's never been a cast member like Eddie who just completely demolished pop culture. I mean, he was the biggest star on the planet. I mean, there we'll never see that again. You know, Pete Davidson doesn't hold a candle to what Eddie Murphy was from 1981 to 1984. Um, so to to dock points from Joe Piscopo because of that is ridiculous. Um, he he was in his own right. If Eddie was not on the show, he would still have been a star. Would the show have survived? Uh, that's we'll never know but if the show had gone to season seven there was never an eddie uh joe piscopo would still have been a star absolutely bill is there any other elements of joe's career that you would like the listeners to know about uh you brought up solomon and pudge really uh early on here i mean that that is such a great slice of life sketch uh for a show that was very loud at the time you know it was such a nice, quiet, and if you haven't seen these, uh, go back and watch them. Um, it's it's Eddie and Joe as two old guys sitting in a bar, sitting in a coffee house, and playing the piano, t 
talking about their lives. And a lot of times they were actually almost sentimental. Um, there was a lot of, and, and you can tell the love between these two guys at the time. Uh, and th those are something I think that hold up pretty well, even today. I totally agree. Really love those sketches. So uh, definitely search them if you can. Okay, we are through two cast members on the list. So if you're just joining us, number 50 on the list was the great Kevin Nealon, and then we had the great Joe Piscopo coming in at number 49. Two more we will be revealing tonight, and I'm very excited to talk about number 48 on the list. You may have this person in your earbuds pretty often because he, he, he can talk. So let's talk about him a little bit. And here is number 48 on the list. David Spade comes in here at number 48. If you're watching on YouTube, we put the picture up of when he uh, makes the falling star comment about Eddie Murphy, which is one of his most famous moments on the show. But uh, Spade has a very interesting career on Saturday Night Live, uh, brought in as a writer like some of his peers towards the end of the 89-90 season, comes in those last few episodes in season 15, uh, talks about uh, how he got to learn. Uh, Dennis Miller helped bring him in and then uh, really joins the cast in his first official episode at the beginning of season 16. And then they work him in. Uh, but, you know, he has a couple characters, which we'll talk about, but he really, really shines and is well known for his Hollywood Minute segment on Weekend Update, where they would go to him to make fun of celebrities and do some pop culture stuff. So that is an interesting aspect of his career, as well as his relationships with some of his peers. So um, love to get to talk here about David Spade on the show. Bill, what do you think? This is the first time I'm going to disagree on this uh, this here podcast. I, I think I love David. I do. Um, I think he has had one of the better careers post SNL of anyone. Um, I think this is a little high. Um, yeah, because I love it. I like you know what I, I I don't think that's that's hot. That is that hot of a take. But I love that you said it. Yeah. I, I okay. Here here's the thing. And I mean, if you try to go back through his stuff, other than Hollywood Minute. There's not a lot of there there. Um, there's, uh, you know, obviously Total Bastard Airlines. Uh, there's the Gap Girls, which was a collaborative effort. Um, and the Dick Clark receptionist. That's about it. Like, there's not, you know, he was not a, a great impressionist. Uh, he did a very good Michael J. Fox. He did a good Tom Petty with Dana Carvey doing Bob Dylan. Um, but, yeah, this 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 is a little bit too high for me um for the amount of sketches that he got on at the time for the amount of characters the lack of characters that he got on at the time i don't think he's quite this high i think he gets a bump from tommy boy which was at the end of his snl career and then being on two hit sitcoms and now having a podcast about snl so well, that's the thing yeah he, he's still in the consciousness he has not joe piscopoed into the ether like he is still relevant he's still around in some form so i think that's one of the reasons why um he may be this high i totally agree i think he got the fly on the wall bump here because i, I don't think if fly on the wall doesn't exist uh, no offense to David, but I, I just don't think he cracks the top 50 here. I think he is um, he, he's an interesting cast member to talk about. I mean, we're, they're all interesting, let's be real. But I think his career is super interesting because it's just so unique. Uh, you know, he comes in at a time where you haven't already established cast. And he's not like a good one-to-one -one replacement for anybody in the existing format. Like finally SNL gets back to what's working on the show. And then they have a guy who is like a square peg in a round hole where he's like not perfectly... Um, 
alpha maybe enough at the time for weekend update to be the host, but he has like weekend update anchor qualities in him. Then he also doesn't necessarily have like the presence or impressions to like, uh, to, to do sketches in a way that like some of the other like forces did prior to him. Like I just found like they never really figured out what exactly worked for him. And then as he got more confident and more on the show, they were like, Oh, we have like our first like really snarky guy on the show maybe since Dennis Miller, I think like that's probably like he, he there's probably a, like a little bit of a comparison there. So I, I think that they're like, okay, let's lean into the snark and have him do that on Hollywood Minute and in sketches. And that's where you get like the bye-bye character and the Dick Clark's receptionist and the Hollywood Minute stuff. And I think like he basically played a version of snark his entire career on the show. What do you think of that? Yeah, absolutely. I, and uh, he, you know, yeah, that's a great comparison with Dennis Miller, but also, and they've mentioned this on Fly in the Wall a lot of times, he got confused for Dana Carvey so many times because... See, I don't see that at all. I, I don't see it now, but I think in the in my mind's eye in 1990, you could definitely kind of see that because he was just a short, blonde guy, um, which... Who oh, they so you, didn't, mean, you mean like physically people thought he was Dana in sketches? Right, exactly. Yeah. Okay. So I, I think, and I mean, and then they did it. They did it in the Perot Bush Clinton, where he was the stand-in for Dana doing two impressions in in the one debate. So, um, yeah, I, I don't think he ever found his niche. I mean, he he got a lot of stuff on. Uh, he was in all the Farley sketches. You know, he was in the Sandler sketches, but he was never really the lead character, other than a couple of things we've already mentioned. So, that that docks a lot of points for me. Okay, well, let's talk about some good stuff about David Spade. Was there anything that you really did like that you did? Like, if you had to pick a favorite David Spade moment on the show? I mean, listen, I, I, I think at the time, there was nothing I looked forward to more than Hollywood Minute. Now, somebody mentioned this in the, in the chat, and I think this is true. I don't think they hold up now. Um, they're very, very mean-spirited a lot of the time. Um, it's not something that in the culture that we live in today that would probably get on. Um, and obviously the Eddie Murphy thing is, is a big part of that. But yeah, I mean, there was a lot of fat jokes. There was a lot of gay jokes. There was a lot of stuff that you would not be able to do in 2023. Um, but at the time, knowing, hoping that he would be on Weekend Update, I think that was the first time that I really was hoping for a Weekend Update correspondent to come on because they didn't do a lot of that. You had Victoria doing her thing. Obviously, Adam came in and started doing stuff later on with Opera Man and with, uh, you know, all the different stuff he did for Halloween and Christmas and Hanukkah. But, um, yeah, I, I think this was one of those first like, oh, I got to be here in front of Weekend Update to see what David's going to do about pop culture this week. So that that was probably my favorite thing at the time. Yeah, I, I tend to agree. I mean, like, I, again, I wasn't watching live when this was going on. But the on the rewatch, I did kind of find it exciting to see like which celebrity was he going to make fun of and why. Um, and I didn't always like know exactly what they were referring to because I had to like do a little bit of research and go back and check it out. But when I got it, I was like, OK. And yeah, I don't think the jokes like completely hold up. I think the one that is like the most talked about and most interesting one is the one that we have pictured here on YouTube, whereas he's talking about the former legendary cast member eddie murphy and he says look friends a falling star and uh basically most people say that that is the reason why eddie never returned to the show i don't know if i believe that i think that's like a like a big snl myth but yeah it's an interesting one to talk about 
that that's a revisionist history because Eddie didn't come to the 15th anniversary either. He sent his entourage to be with Mary Tyler Moore. So that, that's kind <laughs> of a, a little bit of baloney that, you know, six, seven years later, it was like, oh, I'm insulted. I'm not coming back now. Um, he hadn't appeared on the show since 1984. So, um, but yeah, it was mean spirited. And it's one of those things that I think you have to be careful with when you're, you know, in your own SNL family, probably not making the jokes like that against people who were a big part of the show. So, yeah, I mean, it is definitely his most famous. I, the other one I always think of, and now I can't think of the third person, but there was, uh, somebody in the chat will help for sure, but it was Madonna, Billy Ray Cyrus and somebody else. And they're like, everybody who's going to be a star in 1993, step forward. Not so fast, Billy Ray. <laughs> <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. That's one of those that's, that's stuck with me through the years too. Yeah. And of course, like, I mean, people remember him for being in Gap Girls. A lot of people know, you know, Farley for, for that sketch as well. Um, so, you know, that one was pretty popular. And also his relationship with Chris Farley is like talk, you know, a lot of people bring up Sandler and Farley and, and in terms of them like dominating the show at a certain point, but David Spade and Chris Farley were obviously very, very close. And, uh, you know, they tributed him and talk about him a lot on, uh, on Dana and David's podcast. Um, you know, this is also interesting, Bill, because on the list here, we have our first cast member that's actually come back to host the show. So David Spade has hosted the show twice. Does that boost his legacy a little bit for you? It boosted a little bit. Yes. I, I, I think that's important. Um, he, he's an interesting one that came back. Uh, most of the time when you see alumni come back, they're a pretty big star um, or, you know, they're, they're promoting something. He just kind of came back. And I think that's kind of great. I wish SNL would do that more uh, in these days. And I, I think his two episodes were pretty good. Um, I think seeing him be in more than one or two sketches in a night uh, were, uh, was, was a highlight for sure. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, analytics wise. So he was in 279 sketches during his time, um, including some of it, uh, the hosting appearances. Uh, he's 62nd all time, uh, 60th among cast members. During his just his time as a cast member, he was in 2.25 sketches per episode, which is pretty low down the list. Like you're basically going to see him twice on average in a given episode. Uh, so the analytics don't really stack up to some of the others. He did appear uh, in, so he during his time as a cast member, 115 episodes, he was shut out of the show four times. So four times they said um, that he was going to be a cast member or a feature player that night, he didn't show up. Uh, and he was absent seven other times. So, you know, he has like a little bit of a rocky road to finally like get there as a cast member. His best season analytically was season 19. Uh, that was when he really started stepping up his game and becoming a more prominent role in the show. I want to ask you, Bill, really fascinating asterisk or, you know, point in his career on SNL is that he stays on to season 21 just to do Spade in America. And it was like Lauren basically pushing David to stay as far as I understand. Um, or at least that may, maybe that's revisionist, but that's what it's been told out there. What do you think about him staying on for that season and bridging the gap between those two casts? I think in hindsight, it wasn't necessary because of the cast that was being brought in. Obviously, the the very well-known now Will Ferrell, Sherry O'Terry, et cetera. But at the time, and I can remember you know reading this in the newspapers and in Entertainment Weekly at the time and going, spade out of all of them that's the one they're bringing back like it was just such a weird thing like that farley and sandler were gone they were fired and they're you're bringing back spade but i think his spade in america uh was pretty good it was inconsistent there were weeks where it didn't work as well as others 
but having his own segment, I do wish that we saw him interact more with the cast. You know, if the point was to bridge the gap, to make sure the show doesn't get canceled because we need somebody on the show that people know, and at least David Spade is a name that people know. Um, and to, then to not have him in any sketches at all most of the time was kind of a bad move, in, in my opinion. But uh, the Spade in America was was very funny. Um, the timing of the show was very weird back then. This is a little too in the in the weeds here. But, um, you know, they would do Weekend Update and then maybe one sketch and then they'd go to Spade in America. So it was like an, an extension of Weekend Update sometimes. Uh, at least that's what it felt like. But, yeah, uh, very weird choice. Obviously, Timmy Meadows ended up coming back as well. But, um, yeah, it's it's strange to see him with that cast. That's what I was going to say. Like, he had that peer in Tim Meadows who was also still around. And then to not see them interact together on season 21 too much is, like, very uh, yeah. odd to me. But, uh, yeah, it's, it's an interesting footnote to his career. So uh, I've been talking about where Rolling Stone put these cast members. Uh, again, Rolling Stone, <laughs> this is how weird this list is. Rolling Stone put David's, do you want to guess where he is in the list? Do you know, Bill? I, I don't remember. Do you want to guess? Just give me, give me like an approximate like range or something like that. Judging by your reaction, I'm going to say like 30. Oh, wow. That's pretty good. Rolling Stone put him at 27 on the list. Oh, my God. So, you know, where we had people like ahead, like he, anyways, he, he was like very high up on their list. Um, they said uh, they loved Hollywood Bennett, but he was, they was sort of bitchy and pointless. Um, but yeah, that's where they had him at 27. Uh, do I think like 48 is a good spot for him? I, I think he's probably maybe closer to like 55 or 60. Cause I think he has like, he has like big moments for his like lack of consistent airtime. Um, again, I, I haven't made my like official, like all the way through list, but I, I think he's a little bit high here, but still very, very interesting career. I think ultimately bill, we agree. He got that like modern day fly on the wall bump. Yes. And do you, you want to know where I have him? Yes, please. Yeah. Uh, 77. 77. Wow. Yeah. Okay. That is, that is interesting. Did you right? tell us where you had Joe Piscopo, by the way? Did I not ask you that? Question? I did not. Uh, okay. I had Joe at 26. Wow. Okay. Wow. Yeah. All right. Interesting. Okay. 77 David Spade for Bill Kenny on his personal list. So uh, the, the viewers, the, the listeners, the SNL community bumped up David Spade here on the list. Okay. Anything else about David that you want to say before we move on? I think we covered it. Okay. All right. One more to break down here today. I'm very excited to talk about this last person we're going to talk about here at number 47 before we break and come back next week. And this is a guy we talked about a lot on this show over the last few years, especially last season. And that is a current cast member made the list in Mikey Day comes in at number 46 here. Mikey Day was hired as a writer in season 39, but only moved to the cast in season 42. He was very well known prior to his time as a cast member for writing for Taron Killam. Uh, he's had some interesting characters. A lot of people know about Matt Shatt and, you know, those like different versions of that um, Donald Trump Jr. impression, but really just an incredible writer on the show. Truly, I think one of, you know, we're going to look back after his time as being one of the great modern writers at SNL in terms of his work with Streeter and some of the sketches that they wrote. And I mean, we could not, keep enough praise on Mikey Day, who most people felt prior to season 48 should have left. And I'm so glad that he stayed because I think he made for me uh, that, you know, he made this list like, like it's so much better to get to talk about him now because 
he definitely deserves to be on it after that last season. So, Bill, let's get your thoughts on the incredible Mikey Day. Now, do you think that he benefits from the Saturday Night Network bump? I, it's possible. I mean, look, Listen. I look. The listeners will know. I, I'm pretty fair. Like, I, I, I obviously like. I'm not like shitting on people too much. But like, if if somebody is like not bringing it on the show, like I'll be real about it. Uh, Mikey brought it. Like he really came out last year with like reinvigorated. I think, except for maybe his rookie season last year, was his best season as a cast member. Yeah, I, I was going to say, you know, if we were talking about this last year, I might have more of an issue with this placement. I think Mikey now has, depending on how long he stays with the show, he has the chance to have one of the most interesting arcs in the history of the show. Because I, in my opinion, like after the first six years, he was a super utility player. He was Kevin Nealon-esque. He was not the star of most sketches. You know, obviously his writing behind the scenes is phenomenal, but he was not the guy that was kind of leading the sketch most of the time. He doesn't have a lot of impressions, doesn't have a lot of characters. But this past season was so unbelievable for what Mikey did. Um, everything that he did every week, he brought something new. We talked about uh, on here three times a week when there was a new show. Um, he he is very, very interesting to see um, if he stays on the show for another two or three years and has a season like season 48 again. Um, he, he will continue to move up the list for sure. 100%. I mean, it's so hard to do, you know, to where to put the current cast members in yeah. this list. And, and there will be, you know, discussions about them throughout the time doing this. And for me, I think Mikey Day, if he has season 49, let's say it's it's long enough, and he has as good of a season as season 48. I think he's for sure into the 30s. Like, I, I think you have to talk about him as being like a, a really good modern player. And I, I think like, um whatever whoever ends up being the next star of the show which i'm not like i think mikey's like too far into his career for us to say that it'll be him but whoever ends that ends up being in 49 50 51 52 i think we're going to look back and say that mikey bridged the gap between the kate cecily's and 80s and helped stabilize the show before we got to this new you know great cast of of people who are completely dominating in whatever this next era is going to be so for me uh so well deserved and I, like i said i don't think you could talk about him without hit the writing unfortunately for people like spade and piscopo and kevin nealon like we didn't get the writing credits back then in the way that we do now so right. we know like every single way that mikey contributes to the show so we could only judge based on what we know and what i know is is that mikey has helped build like modern classic sketches in ways that a lot of modern writers have not done yeah, and and that that's a testament to the kind of guy he is too, because the fact that we can't sit here and point to all these Mikey Day starring sketches, but he wrote three or four sketches that week, and two of them were phenomenal. Like he's giving that work to other people. I mean, he he's putting himself in there, but he's not necessarily putting himself in the starring role, and that just speaks to his character. So I, I think that's a great great point. Bill, what would you say is your favorite thing that Mikey has done on the show? Oh, boy. Uh, I mean, the Trump Jr. and the mess that was the Trump impressions and the special guests and cameos, uh, him going on update and doing that with Alex. Um, just such a great take on on uh, a person that's despised universally. Um, 
And unlike the Alec Baldwin uh, version of Trump, you know, it's something I think that holds up and you can point to and still laugh at. Um, so, yeah, I, I would have to say Trump Jr. Yeah, I, I I think I really like that stuff. I think it's all clouded and all the Trump stuff, you know, with everyone else at the time that I maybe on a when I finally am able to go back and rewatch the seasons that I don't care as much for from, you know, prior to us podcasting, like the 43s and 44s and stuff like that, that 45s, the parts of 45, like, you know, when I'm able to go back and watch those eventually, I think I will enjoy some of those things a little bit more. And they were very good and strong. Um, I have to say, like, you know, I know these are classics, but we would be you know, completely remiss if we didn't bring them up, but like David S. Pumpkins and him bringing that back this year. I mean, obviously that was like a huge hit, probably like the last thing that happened on the show that just like went around the entire world. So the fact that like Mikey had such a hand in that, um, I would say that like, you know, SNL's like most recent huge star in Kate McKinnon, like he wrote the close encounter sketches with, with, um, with uh streeter so like for me like those are two like really big things that he wrote and i think those are just so fantastic in terms of like big characters and moments like these are sketches that would have hit in any era of the show and i love that for mikey and that's a perfect example of what i'm i'm speaking of with him not putting himself in the starring role it would have been very easy for him to put himself next to kate in that in that scenario um but he's just the regular agent who's asking the questions of these people who just got abducted um so to to give that kind of uh star power to somebody else is is quite amazing yeah absolutely and yeah, I mean, I, I also think like the fact that he was able to write so many like great one-offs and was getting created. Uh, we were so fortunate to get to talk to him during the season last year and just like hear how reinvigorated he was. And I just think he truly lives and breathes Saturday Night Live. So for me, I think he's going to continue to get his props. And like I said, would not be surprised if he moved his way up the list. Um, I know a lot of people in the chat were saying like he's probably going to come back for the rest of the season and then call it quicks. Uh, quits. Uh, I think he should stay through 50. I think he should be a part of the 50th celebration of the show. I think having him as a valuable member of the writing staff during this like ever so important 50th year of the show could be really crucial to boosting it and making it as high quality as possible. It's really hard. I mean, you never know what's in somebody's mind, but it's really hard to imagine somebody leaving after 49 with the 50th anniversary uh, ending. So yeah, I, I agree with you. I want to ask you, Bill, where do you feel like, you know, we, we've only revealed three other cast members. So he's clearly we know that he's ahead of Spade and Piscopo and and Neilan, And I'll, we'll talk about how we're going to rank these four uh, in just a moment. But how do you feel about Mikey's place in history compared to some other cast members and other generations of the show? Like, do you feel like from everything you've seen from his body of work that he is deserving of a spot in the list? And where do you have him on yours? Funny enough, without knowing what the what the list was going to be like, um, I have him at forty seven. So wow, <laughs> yeah, oh my god, yeah, <laughs> yeah. nailed it, nailed it. I wish I had a, a DraftKings bet on that one. So yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I think this is the perfect spot for him. I think that there is, uh, you know, he's he's one of those people who would have fit in any era. Um, he he just has such an everyman quality about him. Yeah. Uh, and to talk about stuff from the past season, I mean, both the traffic, traffic altercation um, and uh, the Waffle House. I mean, th those were two classic, instant classic sketches that he was a part of. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think he's just going to build on that. Yeah. And I think like, look, I think a lot of people will 
look at certain aspects of Mikey's career and say like he had a clearly defined role in sketches where he was like the guy that like didn't understand what was happening in the world around him. And then he like, you know, he wrote like a lot of sketches in that voice, but I think he's gotten away from that. And I think that's what made us made it so exciting for him to like open up his creative juices a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Anything else you want to say about Mikey Day? Because I know that like for us, at least on the podcast, like if you want to find our takes on Mikey, we have a ton going back through all of our season 46, 47 and 48 coverage. No, I, again, I, I just think he's one of those super utility players that this is the perfect spot for him. He is very Kevin Nealon-esque in that way. Maybe not as many characters, but he, he is a guy that you can plug into any sketch and he's going to get the job done no matter what you're asking him to do. So kudos to Mikey. Absolutely. Okay, so based on your personal rankings, Bill, where do you have the four cast members if you had to rank them one to four today? Oh, I'd, uh, well, it would have to be uh, number one, Piscopo, uh, two, Nealon, three, Mikey, and four, Spade. Okay, so I think I'm gonna I'm gonna lock this in. So if any of our listeners want to keep track of this, we'll we'll mark this down as my list as we keep going in here. And you know, I'm deciding on the fly because I'm I'm gonna talk with our great guests and they're gonna convince me one way or another how good these cast members are. I think just based on the four that we had here today, we'll keep slotting them in. But I'm gonna say number one on my list that I have from these four, I think it's Kevin Nealon. I think he narrowly beats out Joe Piscopo. I, I think he's just such a, he has so many strong qualities and I just think he's just consistently underrated. I think if you like put Kevin Nealon in Joe Piscopo's spot, like, yeah, they're different cast members. Like if Nealon was around in season six, like, eh, you know, like maybe it wouldn't be exactly the same, but I do feel like he has the qualities to really bring it. And I think in Nealon's prime, he works really well in any era. So I think I'm going to go number one on my list right now is Kevin Nealon. Number two is Joe Piscopo just based on his ability to just stabilize a really rough era. Um, Number three, I'm going to go with Mikey Day because, you know, and Mikey probably, if this was after his career, maybe I put him above Joe, but I just think that like Mikey has to continue to produce on the show for a spade, I think for me. So I'm going to go so far on the list. Number one, Kevin Nealon. Number two, Joe Piscopo. Number three, Mikey Day. Number four, David Spade. We will see where the future slot in. How do you feel about that? Yeah, that, that, that feels right. I mean, Nealon and Piscopo, you really could go either way with that. I, I, I'm fine with that list as well. Yes. And by the way, for those wondering about Mikey Day on the Rolling Stone list, uh, at the time, they put him in somewhere between 81 and 96. They bunched all the new kids together and he was part oh, of the Oh, that's kids, right. So, yeah. yeah, so <laughs> not, not a real ranking there. Nah. Uh, yeah, but at least we have him uh, for now. Okay, so this was really, really fun. I'm so excited to do this. Next week on the list, we're going to reveal 46, 45, 44, and 43 as we continue to go through things every single week. I think just based on what I was reading from the live chat today, Bill, I think the listeners are going to be surprised. There's some really good names on the list. I feel really strong about what we're getting so far. Yeah, I'm excited to see. Uh, I'm glad I don't know what's coming up because uh, it'll be fun to compare and contrast uh, what the votes have uh, tabulated versus what I think. So uh, this has been a lot of fun. Absolutely. And we're going to have to have you back on with us down the road later on in the time. For sure. 
All right. So listeners, if you missed last week, Bill was on with me as well. While we had our ultimate season rankings giraffe, that was a lot of fun. So we had a great time with a lot of great guests, including Andrew Dick from that week in SNL. Uh, Haynes was with us, Sammy, Rebecca, and Victoria. We drafted season. So go back and check that one out. And of course, we're going to be here every single Monday night to reveal uh, numbers on the list as we head towards the greatest cast member in the history of Saturday Night Live as voted by you, the fans. Like I said, as soon as we get news about season 49, we will be here to bring it to you. So that is where what we are looking forward to at some point in the fall or early in the year, maybe of 2024. So we'll see. But as we go, but yeah, like I said, I'm so appreciative for everybody who voted in this list. It really made it a great list. The fact that we had so many contributors. So if you're just checking us out for the first time and you voted, Thank you so much for doing that. And if you do want to keep up with everything we got going on, you can follow us on social media, Facebook, uh, there it is, yeah, Facebook, I guess X now, we'll, we'll change that logo, <laughs> Instagram and TikTok at the SNL Network. You can find us there. Talk to us. Let us know what you think about the list. We're going to be posting some stuff later on in the week. So if you're checking out these shows and you're like, oh, I'm not going to get to it probably for a few days, uh, probably on Fridays, I think we're probably going to post some information about the cast members and some of their highlights. Uh, so you'll have a few days to listen before we uh, potentially spoil you on who came out that week on the list. You can also subscribe to us on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify. Those subscriptions really help people find the show make sure to leave us a review if you can as well um, always love reading those and helps us uh, move up those charts in the analytics so bill where can the listeners check out everything you got going on thank you john for having me uh i'm glad that you still agreed to do this even though my cowboys beat up on your giant oh, no. something awful last night sorry had to get it in man <laughs> uh, it was rough rough yeah uh no th this was a lot of fun i'm so glad that i have this to look forward to every week while we wait for snl to come back uh you can follow me at any of the socials at bklove73 absolutely you can find me at john schneider 24 as well rooting for my new york giants um and <laughs> at least i got the cubs well at least i got the cubs um so yeah uh you can reach out to me whenever you want always happy to talk snl with new friends who love the show and uh and yeah so thank you everybody for joining us on the first episode of snl's greatest cast members we will see you next time everybody have a good one <laughs>